Welcome back to week three of the AWPT Nutrition Series podcast with Amy Needham. Hola. She's back and I wanted to today start delving into Amy's story and Amy's background as a nutritionist and how she's gotten to where she is today because I think it's really important that we know the story behind people's why and why we are actually creating this female-specific nutrition course and also some of the questions that we've gotten around it as we've started to launch it. So first of all, Amy, I guess like how did this all start for you? How did you get into nutrition? Like, you know, it was always something that was my passion as Mm -hmm. well. Um, But for some reason, like last minute, I just went (laughs) and veered (laughs) off into physio. But nutrition fascinates me. So Yeah. yeah. I think like I was looking through the memory banks last night doing my little gratitude journal and um, looking back through like I don't know I was really appreciative of my high school years and then I was thinking about how there's never a mistake right so um, I never did my full back then it'd be like TDE thing um, because I had subjects I was very good at so I was very good at health very good at science very good at art and English um, so anything creative, but also like, I like science cause it interests me and also the health aspect. Um, and I was writing out my teachers who were most influential in the moments I remember most. One of them in particular was, I think I was in year 10. Um, I, we were asked to do a health promotion, um, and we had to do a PowerPoint up or we had to come up with something to impact the school essentially. Um, you got to remember there's only one school in Esperance, it's quite big. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, the two people I was working with, they helped, but they didn't really care. It was kind of just, I took over. Oh, it was my a group project. assignment. The worst. It was a group assignment. <laughs> um, and the thing is, it was actually um, quite a mix of, of girls. And um, I actually did uh, a health presentation on just like disordered eating. And I'm like in year 10, 15 years old. And we decided to pretend, present it. Or they, the teacher really liked it. So she asked us to present to all of year eight and year nine. I'm talking like massive, but so this school was like pretty big and such a mix. So in the um, the gym, we did up a PowerPoint. By the way, this would not fly these days. Like I had pictures of what anorexia looked like, what disordered eating, um, like what your body actually comes like happens in your body. Um, And I actually had year eight and year nine girls uh, crying in like the stadium because I think as well, like it was quite true. Yeah. And like, it was quite like wrought within the school of like something happening. And that was probably the period when that started to occur for those girls as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just remember being so proud. I had it playing in the gym. We had speakers on, there was like Aretha Franklin, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, like playing. And I was like, this is my moment to shine. Um, The other two girls did like a speeches stuff as well. and like, I was just like, this is what I meant to do in my life. But at the same time, like I loved art and design or any kind of design. So I originally, um, at the time I was actually a gymnast and I was a gymnastics coach. So I was already in sport, already in health, already um, aware of some things like being told that it's quite normal to lose your menstrual cycle as a gymnast, which I never did, um, thankfully. Um, but then I also decided to pursue fashion design and technology, I think more for an image standpoint, um, which I left Esperance, small little town, which is quite 
people are quite humble. It's just sport based. There's not a lot of fitness industry stuff going on there. It's more like what team sports you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, moved to Perth to study fashion design and technology, thinking kind of like the clothes and um, the image makes the person. Um, I was very wrong. What I entered into was more like disordered 18th central. Um, mm-hmm. And it is kind of a trap. Like being one of the smaller-ish people in my group as well, you were kind of used as the model for a lot of garments. And then it it is honestly so pervasive in there of like how much a smaller model and a model without shape is better um, for the clothes to hang nicer, etc. and making things in a... Uh, a size zero or smaller um, and then we'd have models come and visit from like Vivian's and other kind of uh, modeling agencies to try on our clothes so that kind of took me from being someone who could or I remember living with one girl in Aspirance before I moved to Perth and she's like no, no offense but you eat a lot <laughs> and I was so active and very very lean mm. um and I was like I do like I'd never really taken notice of like how much I'd eaten before I just liked healthy food yeah um and like I would eat the healthy food in larger quantities I guess than what she's used to but I also I guess was maybe a little bit more active mm-hmm. um but yeah and then um because everyone else was doing, I guess, in uh, in my in my courses in uh, fashion as well, is like you'd start to restrict your intake or start to have more like fat burning pills or live on tuna and rice cakes and coffee. And because like the whole basis of fashion industry is essentially that it is a pressure makes diamonds kind of environment where you, you do work around the clock and you are expected to work to 2 a.m. sewing something up or uh, creating a, a remodeling of one of your designs um so um between that and I guess the stress of trying to get everything done that kind of ended a really poor cycle or relationship with food at that time and a lot of restriction um and the restriction wasn't like muscle building or how well could I perform in the gym it was how small can I get um and like I guess how petite and like then that started I guess modeling um and an image and obviously then I became more addicted to to that image but after leaving I guess fashion design technology because there is no jobs in there unless you're going to get overseas workers um I decided I didn't want to be a povo student anymore who lived on tuna (laughs) uh then I decided just to work in mining because that's what you do in WA um and I kind of got back to my healthy relationship. So I loved exercising. I loved healthy food. It wasn't weighing. It wasn't tracking. Um, this was also about the time that there was a lot more competing happening. I guess as more of uh, more popularized. Like for WA, it was more IFBB at the time um, or IMBA. So um, yeah, that, that was the influence. But I wasn't tracking food. I was just eating healthy. I enjoyed looking up different recipes, cooking. Um, I probably did. <laughs> Probably did an unhealthy stint of veganism at a point in time and overall vegan. So just to throw it in there. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then um, when I was working, I guess I was bored and the ADHD tendency to try and do multiple things. So I would do workouts in the morning, body attack, by the way, (laughs) or resistance training. Um, And then I would work and then I decided to study my set three, set four um, at night. Um, so quite busy, um, still quite happy in uh, body-wise, still working towards performance, uh, fitness and like a healthier body. Um, I loved the noni juice and the goji berries and like whatever else was there. Superfood. Superfood, yeah, quote yeah, unquote. quote unquote. Um, and, um, but then I decided to leave the mining and start as a coach. Um, and 
that's when I got asked to compete uh, and the whole you, you would do really well if you competed. Um, so unfortunately I did, I shouldn't say unfortunately, like I love the pressure and I never competed because I wanted to be on stage. I competed because I liked the push of to see the physical capacity of my body. I wanted to train like an athlete and the coach I had uh, second, maybe not my first coach, my second one, um, really brought that out and called me more of an athlete. So not necessarily a show pony, not like a bikini model, uh, nothing like that, more like um, you're an athlete, train like it. So athletes don't eat shit food and athletes like train hard and like those things like running up sand hills with tires attached and like the sand just building up in the timing. It was so much harder. I was, yeah, it was horrible. But I loved the feeling of that yeah that dopamine rush and also I guess the adrenaline that comes from it um and just how good you feel after knowing you really exerted um but it I also that's the periods where I have post that lost cycles and then doing well in comps is kind of addictive as well so then you compete more and more um, and then I had a sponsorship with Optima Nutrition and then that becomes I guess an identity you have to uphold and it's funny at that point in time, the body dysmorphia is so real and you think you're not lean or you think you're not small. Um, and looking back at photos, I'm like, oh, I was tiny. Yeah. But yeah, and um, that's obviously where a lot of health issues started for me. And I guess inquiring more into why these things were happening, um, I started working uh, fly and fly out as a health coach as well. Um and managing like the nutrition and the gyms and things like that out there and just seeing the opposite spectrum where there's a lot of obesity and overweight and uh, like too much food, like obesogenic kind of environment, but mm. also carcinogenic because shift work is carcinogenic as well. So um, having lost my cycle for uh, six years, essentially, um, I started to inquire further, uh, misdiagnosed with PCOS um, without enough testing from the uh, lady who was I was working with. Mm. Um was given thyroxine, was given um, progesterone um, and basically looking back at it now, like there's so many reasons why I shouldn't have been misdiagnosed. Like my egg count was so low uh, or lower on the lower 10th, perc- 10th percentile. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like it's just, it, it made me mad. It made me mad. Nobody addressed that I didn't have a period for such a long time or didn't have a menstrual cycle for such a long time. No one addressed that my frequent urination or um, even insomnia and things through the night could have been caused like from a dietary perspective or overtraining. It made me mad that I was given a medication which would have, I guess, side effects for like a longer term. Um, and even then I had another coach put me on or the actual doctor told me to go on ketogenic diet uh, because apparently it was PCOS um, and then people monetizing off it. So um, someone else saying I should optimize my health by having like keto OS supplements and ketones. And mm. honestly, it was just a shit storm and coming through that shit storm um, and seeing how much of it could have been prevented. And even from people who are in positions of power um, or, or influence, I should say, where you trust them. Um, yeah, it, it made me inquire further. And obviously, uh, even when I was working in Mindsight, I was studying nutrition and like I was just adamant I wanted to make a change. Um, like yeah. I didn't feel that it was fair and I knew I wasn't the only person being impacted by this, especially with the amount of people that were competing, um, getting like even post-pill PCOS or having uh, PCOS misdiagnosed like 
uh, or HA misdiagnosed as uh, PCOS, same as me, um, or just the amount of shit I hear from even my clients of just they've had interactions with people who are in a position to influence or do have the knowledge um, and are just, yeah, not given the treatment I feel they deserve. Mm. Wow. Like I have this theory that we all like in this coaching industry, our role or our vision and mission comes from wanting to help people or wanting to help ourselves Mm. first of all and then helping the people who are now maybe in a position that we were in so I feel like when I do a lot of work with coaches of like who is your ideal client who are you helping get really clear on that often it's like look at yourself like, mm. look at what you've been through. Look at what you've done. You know, I ask physios all the time, Have like, what made you become a physio? And mm. it's like, well, I played heaps of sports when I was younger and I had heaps of injuries and then the physio helped me get back and, like, that's made me want to be a physio and things like that. I didn't have that story. I was going to say, yeah. I don't uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't have that story. I just... Um, I don't know. I just kind of fell into physio kind of thing. Like I don't have a cool story. I wanted to be a nutritionist basically. Mm. And that's why I still have such like a burning desire for learning about nutrition and for educating on it as well. Mm. Um, And, you know, I I collab and I come to people like you to learn more about it because it just fascinates me so much. Mm -hmm. Um, It's crazy as well though. I was with my cousin on the weekend and she's, pregnant like she's Mm -hmm. newly pregnant like so exciting and we were just talking about like her pregnancy and um you know like how she's feeling and all these kinds of things anyway the conversation moved towards one of her friends who is her age like our age like in her like early 30s and she's had to undergo IVF twice because she had an eating disorder when she was younger Mm -hmm. and I was kind of like So, did she have a cycle? I didn't really get the full story. Like, did she have a cycle when she was undergoing IVF? Because I'm like, who would allow someone to undergo IVF if they're not healthy enough to be having a a cycle? Like, totally understand if, like, it's low egg count or there's other reasons. Maybe it's the male or something that's not doing it. But she had – she was – she almost died giving birth because she didn't have enough energy – to be and she had twins right so like oh like that takes a lot of energy and it's like I don't know it just it's it's crazy to me that people are so uneducated that it's like this person potentially doesn't have enough energy or uh, isn't in a healthy position to conceive naturally and I get that there are mm. totally like different stories of mm-hmm. everyone but if it's a, a past eating disorder and they haven't addressed that first and they're young, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know the full backstory. I can't judge. But, like, to me, that's also, like, there needs to be something else. Like, she almost died. And maybe yeah, her, it was negligence. And there. maybe her kid almost died. Like, her baby's almost died as well. So, yeah, it's it's just crazy, like, the things <laughs> that... And I do, yeah, and I do understand the medical industry right now is definitely under pressure. Like even trying to get into a doctor's appointment in certain areas is just impossible. Um, and I understand that, you know, time is money and they're trying to get the best result as quickly for their client, even if that is with synthetic hormones um, and uh, other methods that they know of, but they may not be well-versed in, in nutrition because I think it's maybe an hour study at most that they're, they're having on that. But um it's like looking at the bottom of a waterfall and seeing, okay, I don't know, PCOS, for example, or, or low egg count or um, some kind of uh, 
irregularities in someone's cycle and then being like, okay, well, let's just use an intervention that we know, um, which might be OCP or the pill to, for lack of, like, regulate, I guess, bleeds, not necessarily your cycle, without actually addressing the top of the waterfall, which is actually causing those things, which would be the base level you need to look at is their nutrition and their training and even their Mm. stress levels um, and how they manage their stress. Yeah. Like, as a doctor, you need to know so much and you can't know everything. And, like, you know, no one can really know everything and that's why... I think it's so important to build a referral network as a coach as well, but also to have a background in knowing like, first of all, like what's going on with your client because ignorance is just, I don't think it's an excuse. Like we have so much information Mm. these days. Like if you've, you know, if you're starting out, it's like, yes, you need to know your anatomy and know your training, but then it's like, what's next? Don't ever, ever, ever stop learning as a coach because I think that's also a reason why people get in and out so fast of coaching is because it's like, well, what now? And I think I know everything that I need to know and it's just like going through the motions of training clients in the gym every day and it's it's the same thing but just a different client and maybe they have a different story but there is so much more to it and there is so much to learn that y- mm. you can never really stop learning. Like, you know, I'm six years out of university and not one year have I stopped investing in courses and learning mm. more about whatever it is. Like first it was just musculoskeletal. Then it was like how nutrition can affect injuries and things like that Mm -hmm. and chronic inflammation and chronic pain and things like that then it was women's health like how can can that affect uh you know injuries as well and Mm -hmm. health in general because like no one system exists in isolation and then it's the nervous system and then it's like building on top of that then it's building a business like to help more people and to reach more people with Mm -hmm. this so you know I think it brings us back to like as a coach you have such an impact on your client's health and it's not just training and aesthetics it can go so deeper into your clients just like actual health Mm -hmm. and obviously if they're working to improve themselves there's an underlying reason why they feel they need to so even for me I'm looking into more like mindset psychology now because I'm like okay well Mm. if these issues especially from even um, neural setup of say uh, anorexics as well being quite dopamine driven of that they get a dopamine response from actually restriction I'm like okay well let's have a look at the psychology through there so it is always a constant learning process and I guess for me thinking uh, it was just sport and then it was fashion and actually no it's about the body and then hang on there's some issues with female health as well Um, but clients trust coaches too there's that rapport and Mm. they see that person so much more than they would a doctor who might remember their name but they may not actually remember their story and they have to go back and look through their notes whereas like your coaches coach to client relationship is very personal and it's quite strong yeah for sure and I think as well like there's it's that trust it's building of that trust as well and you know if if you don't know something like build a referral network Mm -hmm. as a coach like that is super super important I think like if if your client is telling you something then dig deeper further into it just because you don't know don't ignore it Mm because that could be an early warning sign of something else to come and yeah looking into the psychology you can only really take your clients as far as you take yourself Mm -hmm. as well and so 
if you want to go to the next level with your clients and you want to attract next level clients, then it is really important to be able to take yourself there first mm-hmm. and to to know what it's like to uh, you know hold yourself in maybe something that you've gone through mm-hmm. as well and and dig deeper into that if you've lost your cycle or if you're having irregular cycles or if you're not sleeping or if you're having depression anxiety like look into that for yourself first so then you have the capacity to carry your clients into developing themselves and and make and helping them become the best version of themselves that they can be because stress and like mental health that is definitely going to play into your ability to be physically healthy as well Mm -hmm. and I don't ever think like as much as I had a bit of a shitty time like I'm actually so grateful for it because if Mm. that wouldn't have and I think that's the same to be said for anything you see as negative is actually going to somehow turn into a positive like there is an equal amount of positive to it so I definitely wouldn't have the platform I have now I wouldn't have the influence I have now and I wouldn't be able to help the people that I'm helping now and genuinely um, like one of my clients was told she had PCOS, she couldn't get pregnant. She is over 12 weeks now. And like, it just honestly, it makes me so happy. Like, and seeing other clients like who are competing well and they're no longer restriction and they're, they're just killing it in their sport or especially like fertility or um, in say they're like postmenopause and looking at the bone mineral density. Like those are the things for me that definitely impact. And as much as... Um, there's some long-term impact I guess from my history it also allows me to make such a positive change a hundred percent and this is something that you know in the even in the mentorship together like we've spoken about with some of the other ladies like even um some of the the coaches in there who are mums like they feel like they started too late on their journey of becoming a coach and it is never too late and sometimes you know, there's that mindset of like, I feel restricted by what I can do work-wise because I have kids to look after, but that is all part of your journey. Mm. Like the shit things that we go through are all part of our journey. Like I went through a friggin' terrible, like traumatic breakup, like mm-hmm. two years ago, two or three years ago. And like that changed me a hundred percent because I was not myself mm-hmm. within and like even six months after like I was like what is wrong with me I need to delve into this and I need to resolve this and that's what actually got me into the whole like looking into the nervous system and Mm -hmm. like things like that so these things that happen in your life these experiences that you have all drive you towards where you are now and I think it's huge for us to have compassion for those parts because we can look at people on social media and other coaches that are maybe killing it or whatever and just sort of see you know their life is so great but you have no idea what they have gone through Mm -hmm. to get to there and you know maybe it was smooth sailing for them and like good for them but this is your journey and you can make it into whatever story that you want you can start where you are now and you can you can start deciding that you want more Mm-hmm. and then that's okay yeah and there are people who definitely choose not to change and not to take it as a positive or not to improve upon the things that have come up they're the ones who stay bitter long term um and I don't think even if you you choose to be that way and you choose to be angry for whatever circumstances like it doesn't change the past and but what mm-hmm. it does change is it prevents you from I guess living in the moment and being more present and mm-hmm. experience a happier life anyway yeah and like 
that's not to say like not to disregard the experiences that you have because it fucking sucks Mm -hmm. like when you're going through something shit like that like it fucking sucks but that that uncomfortableness i don't even know if that's a word like that discomfort is probably better (laughs) that discomfort is pushing you for more it's pushing you towards something it's pushing you to make a change and it's pushing you to align your outer world with your inner world and like things happen and it's not fair it's never fair but it's what you make of it Mm. i think that's most important because i mean you see people who for like (laughs) everything that they are they should be bitter and they should be angry like you know if they've had a horrible accident and they've lost limbs or they've been burnt or things like that these people are actually the ones who are just like nah fuck it I'm not gonna let these circumstances dictate how I live my life and you see them out there like (laughs) doing incredible things Mm -hmm. and helping people and and doing all that and like I think that is so inspiring and we can learn a lot from those people as well yeah and I I personally don't think we don't get anything we can't handle um and yeah yeah, like if I wasn't able to handle it like I wouldn't still be here obviously but um I think seeing things on the way rather than in your way is such a powerful thing like if you're like okay well that was a part of my journey it doesn't define me um but it's an opportunity to grow that is friggin' huge because that is something that I said to myself as I was going through this breakup. I was like, why did I fall for this person? Like, how was I so dumb? How did I not see like all these red flags and blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, why did this happen? And I just, it was something that I told myself. I was like, you know, you don't, you don't get anything that you can't handle. You are stronger than this. You are going to make it through. You've got this. Like that's something that I've had. And I've had people like, I didn't speak about it openly on social media too much like there were hints towards it and people knew like Mm. if they'd followed the story and things like that and they messaged me and like I saw this and this and this and like I'm going through and they would ask like how did you get through it and how did you do this and I'll yeah it was literally like it allowed me to help those people and it's not something that I do you know I don't coach I'm not like a a life coach or a breakup coach all that kind of stuff I'm not a psychologist but having that experience has just allowed me to have so much more compassion and empathy for for people going through the same thing yeah and just that relatability in anything in coaching um the same reason I don't believe someone who has never competed should comp prep people like I'm like you've, you've never gone through that even if you think you have experience like secondhand or like with somebody you don't know and you don't know what your um potentially putting this person at risk of um and uh, yeah like there's definitely healthier ways to get fat loss which is sustainable especially for for women but it's definitely not talked about enough and a lot of the data as we said in the previous episode um that we use for nutritional science is based on male data who are like 22 year old college guys like it's definitely not the same um and like you know males may change slope over time with testosterone but um yeah women can as uh my boyfriend pointed out yesterday can change uh daily <laughs> uh and be a completely different person uh it's uh it's a bonus you know yeah <laughs> yeah it keeps it interesting <laughs> it's never boring would you like to date multiple women yes you can <laughs> yeah you've got all within the one all within the one exactly <laughs> oh my god that's hilarious and that's so true like even like talking about like the nervous system like we have many parts to ourselves many you know we are complex beings and 
and we do have all these different parts and sometimes they're conflicting Mm -hmm. as well like there's definitely you know like these parts even thinking of like your mind like your mind will be like logically this is what I want to do and like Mm. all these sorts of things and if I do it this way and make this decision blah 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 but then there's the whole like feeling side yeah. of things as well and it can be conflicting and like identifying and scraping the away the layers of who you are and Onion. like hey yeah exactly <laughs> like for example right like mums like I think after a woman gives birth it's like I identify as a mother now and mm-hmm. it's like no a mother is only a part of who you are mm-hmm. now like it is, you know, you have the mum part, but you also have the wife part or the mm-hmm. partner part or the daughter and the mother and the sister and um, the coach and the businesswoman and yeah. the, the athlete and the gym goer. And like like that, you have so many different parts, whatever you want to name them, like that's totally up to you. Um, I think as well, so you were talking about identity. One of the worst breakups I've been through uh multiple cheating and everything else as well but uh anyway it's let's not deal with that one but <laughs> I've known in the past that and I know a lot of women may do similar is that my reaction would be to control food um so mm. it would be well if I can't control my circumstances and I my identity is wrapped up in I guess what I look like and that's the value um that people perceive of me um then I'll I'll control that and I'll get hotter and I'll get leaner and I'll push myself harder in the gym and using something like spite or hate Mm. or um sadness is never a positive emotion to keep something ongoing long-term or sustainable um and I think even knowing that like I can like I can pick up cues from people if they're upset and like you know there's so many different ways someone can use food as you know I'm sad I'm gonna overeat but um Food was never the cause and it's never the the answer to, I guess, what you're looking for, which is um, an internal battle, especially in our brain. Mm. So I guess coming back to like the coach part of things, what do you think is within the coach, uh, the scope of a coach to talk about nutrition wise? Because, you know, I got asked this question uh, when we were talking about the course, you know, is this within the scope of what a coach can guide off? And, you know, there are... You know, the lines are blurring, I think, Mm. between health professionals, even like, you know, I will refer it to being a physio and strength coaches, Mm -hmm. like the lines are blurring between health professionals. And, you know, as a physio, you can diagnose things and you do special tests and manual therapy and things like that. But strength coaches 100% have the the scope to help people manage their injuries, right? Like we're training people and we're literally, you know, training them through exercise and getting Mm -hmm. them stronger and more stable and like to help not only like, you know, even get them back from an injury, but also minimize their risk of having an injury before. And I, you know, this whole thing, AWPT started out with training coaches because I just saw how you know, people who weren't even exercising just weren't getting better because exercise is like the number one thing for rehabbing an injury. Like mm-hmm. you, you can't really manual therapy an injury yeah. back to being a stu- super strong mobile person. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I have so much respect for strength coaches who – who dive into this stuff and who learn more about anatomy and learn more about functional anatomy and how it all works, Um, you know, and, you know, they totally stay within their lane. But I know physios who who don't even 
coach like strength like coach their clients back into movement and strength mm-hmm. and things like that and I think that's doing a disservice as well and you know we're, we're trying to bridge that gap I think you know strength coaches aren't physios no but they can definitely help with that sort of stuff and it's you know staying within their scope not to diagnose anything um, and you know putting their hands on their clients mm-hmm. in that particular way like they know their boundaries but the, yeah the impact that you can have like <laughs> I think maybe sometimes physios stay stuck and this is going off on a tangent but because physio is such a bad business model if somebody gets better you yeah. lose a client yeah, right? yeah, yeah like if you get your client better you you lose a client and that's why as well like this is something that I want to talk about more too is and not necessarily in this podcast but physios learning how to strength train yeah and how to and how to coach strength training is really really important because then you keep a client that's mm. a way that you can keep a client continuity and and allowing them to t- continue to uphold the good work that you've already done on them mm-hmm. because it is unethical to be a bad physio and to you know I don't know give them a hot pack and get them to do a few exercises and then send them on the way and tell them mm-hmm. to come back the next week um so yeah that was just me going off the <laughs> in terms of nutrition <laughs> <laughs> and we're back um I think yeah like you said uh staying like the, the lines are definitely blurred but you're also got to consider you're someone that they trust and there's so much misinformation out there. Like I personally think every coach should also do a um, module and evidence-based practice, right? Like I think just dispelling that it's not just, it has to be backed by scientific literature. It's also that what you've seen in practice, it's also like the amount of uh, processes that have to occur for it to even be, that there's so many studies that can be out there that aren't necessarily valid or haven't been tested um, and it's just hypothesized and you have to read through the actual methods and things as well um, but knowing that it is also taking in client circumstances um, and I guess understanding that as well but you are a person of influence and if you are the person they see the most you can be a fantastic resource for them to like they're either going to jump online and see this 12-week body challenge where there's 1200 calories restricted meal plan etc or they're going to speak to you and you're going to tell them potentially a macronutrient split that would work foods that may work as well like food as medicine knowing that nutrition as um or nutritional interventions don't cause i guess the same potential harm as a supplementation or um yeah even manual work right like Mm. um so I guess you're looking at something that can be extremely impactful with low side effects and symptoms and you're the person that they speak to most and that they trust. Mm. So um, definitely having referral systems to help, but you can still set macronutrient targets. You can give them education. So you could mm. give uh, either face-to-face education, you can give your clients flyers, you can teach them about different foods that may help the particular condition that they have Mm. Um, and again giving them resources to go and look further. Mm. Um, So I think given the stress on I guess the physician kind of medical um, industry now, like it, it is impossible to get the amount of attention and care that someone would need and if they're going to do it anyway, if they're going to eat, like everybody has yep. to eat, <laughs> you might as well, I hope so, uh, you <laughs> might as well point them in the right direction to, to thrive essentially in their health and also to prevent injury and harm. Yeah, 100%. And look, it comes back to, like this is coming from someone who has done two university degrees. Doing a university degree and having a piece of paper doesn't necessarily mean that you're the best person for 
the job. Means you know how to reference. <laughs> oh my God. Like I know physios who just haven't got a clue. And like, I will admit, like when I first started out, we got taught things that you need that I would never use now for clients. Like, you know, clamshells and like all those mm-hmm. kinds of movements for like rehab. Like they have their place, sure. But just because someone has a piece of paper and has a degree doesn't mean that they're like, you know, I know coaches who go out and just continue doing courses like this and Mm -hmm. they continue upskilling in their education. They read and they look at studies and things like that. And they haven't even gone to university, but they may be so much more helpful to a client than, say, someone who has done a bit more university work and has like okay I've got the paper Mm. I don't need to do anything else Mm -hmm. now and they're stuck back in whenever they graduated uni with the old research and haven't updated their knowledge Mm -hmm. so like I don't necessarily think it's about the thing because I've gotten the the question before like what's the difference between a physio a chiro an osteo all that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff and you know there's the whole like stereotype of like oh, Kairos will just crack you and then they'll tell you to come back in three weeks and just keep doing that. Like that's their business model kind of thing. I know Kairos who are friggin' amazing and do yeah. soft tissue work and who will give exercises. So it's not about the practitioner. Like it's not about the, the title. title. Yeah. It's about the person and about that practitioner as well. So I think, yeah, exactly. Like if a coach is going to be giving someone nutrition advice anyway because like that is within their scope to work with people Mm -hmm. I think them knowing the issues that may arise especially with females in terms of PCOS in terms of HA in terms of like perimenopause and things Mm -hmm. like that like what are the considerations that we need to know for females Mm -hmm. in terms of that and then working with someone like a nutritionist naturopath or a doctor that you trust in terms of going a bit further Mm -hmm. with blood work and diagnosing that sort of stuff like they might come to you and say that they have PCOS but then you can dig a little bit deeper you're Mm -hmm. not going to go like no you don't but you can dig a bit deeper and go like how are you diagnosed yeah how are you diagnosed 100% and knowing that is the most important thing because then you can know what the next steps are like is this something that you know we can work with or is it something that maybe needs a bit more refer like referred out and the same goes with psychology Mm. so we've like we've talked about like the physical and we've talked about like the nutrition and we can talk about mental health as well like Mm. As coaches, we are not psychologists and we don't Mm. diagnose, we don't give medication, we don't do all that, but we can be there to talk to our clients. Yeah. And that could make all the the difference in the world to them as well. Yeah. A majority of people, I think it's over like 46% or more of recreational athletes are in low energy availability states. So like if they're already coming in and it, it is popularized and I know social media definitely and any kind of media definitely plays into it of analyzing bodies especially female bodies and things and people wanting to reduce their intake and they're not necessarily progressing and then they just we're flooded with with so much that and there's so many people who are unwell or struggling like even if it's from a micronutrient standpoint and they're undernourished or um, they're overnourished and they're and they're not getting the micronutrients they need and being that we're in a obesogenic environment already mm. um there's so many people to help like anything you're doing which is more helpful and less harmful is is going to create a positive impact yeah and the first step is education yeah yeah um 
And I think, like you said, like there can be coaches who are shit. Like I've seen some shit ones um, and I've seen them complete the same program with the whole 10 clients they had that day. Mm. But um, there's also some good ones. So I think analyzing someone by their title also isn't um, fair. And yeah, there is a lot of new science even in uh, female health and uh, female specific like physiology and and even uh, their, their brain set up too, which is what we've included in um, this course that it's not in. Like the things I've added on learning, it's not necessarily a university thing. Like you don't need to go to university to learn half of the stuff that I'm adding in here. Why is because like I said, like majority of the protocols we're given are male-based. Mm. Um, so it takes further research and it takes working and mentoring with other people who say they already have their PhD, but they've done it in female something, something female-specific. Um then yeah, it is new learning and it's your opportunity, I guess, to take that in and to, to help your clients better. Yeah, 100%. So biggest takeaways, I think, from this podcast, like I feel like this was super helpful in terms of like laying things out on the table and getting really clear on, you know, what you can do as a coach and the impact that you can have and knowing that and not feeling like, you know, you're kind of stuck. And, and, and being able to take your clients only as far as you can take yourself mm-hmm. is huge. Like if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling unmotivated, if you feel like you're going through the motions as a coach, it's time to do something different. It's time to expand your knowledge. It's time to expand yourself in whichever area that lights you up. And first of all, I think look at yourself and be like, which area do I, you know, looking at your own life, like which area do I need to clean up? Mm. Like, am I actually living in alignment with what I'm teaching my clients? Do I actually do the habits that I tell my clients to do? Do I actually, you know, (laughs) have a sleep routine and, and get eight hours of sleep at night? Or am I like consciously trying to do that even if it's not working that yeah way. am I consciously living in alignment with how I help my clients like I know so many coaches now you see it online as well it's like they're no longer comp prepping themselves mm-hmm. so they're no longer coaching comp prep and they're doing something you know maybe towards more health or towards more mindset mm-hmm. or something that's in alignment with them So your business will always evolve as a coach. Your business will always evolve with you. Mm. And being able to like look at what area of my life do I need to clean up to be able to help people more in that capacity. Mm -hmm. And even if I think as well, we tend to over exaggerate how much time we would need to change for an area, right? Like to to acquire knowledge or to to improve our sleep behaviors or to improve our strength. And honestly, it's just getting shit fucking done like just doing it ASAP and then the quicker you start the quicker it will be done and you'll be so surprised like it seems impossible until it's done Mm. and it can be overwhelming like there is a lot of information out there but like the human body is like the complex most complex thing as well and so like try not to get overwhelmed take it one step at a time and then find which areas light you up and delve deep into those. Like, I don't know everything there is to know about anatomy in the human body and biomechanics. Like, You what? Uh, <laughs> well, like, I mean, I was telling you before, like, I want to go back to university and do my PhD mm. in, like, um, there, like, there isn't a whole bunch of research in terms of, like, rehabbing after cesarean section. Mm. So, like, that's an area that needs – that still needs more research. Like, yeah. we have – you know, our personal professional experience from that. 
but it can always be better like we can always know more and there will always be the next thing like I said before like it's like layers and layers and layers to your learning like what's the next layer what's the next area that I need or that my is lacking even in society I guess as well yeah and I think you know we're seeing a trend in the industry now it's it's towards mindset um and towards like health as well like overall health and well-being and I think the shift is away from aesthetics like not that aesthetics aren't important but but that will come I I feel like that will come with a shift in mindset and a shift in health yeah yeah um I think a lot of the issues we're having aesthetics wise of people not feeling comfortable is also because they are doing their body a disservice like I I it's like swings and people like extremes and balance is just not a thing whereas I feel like if there was balance and a focus on health Mm -hmm. there would be less overconsumption less binging and um I guess more taking care of their body yeah 100% all right well thank you for that chat amy i am super excited i'm so excited for this course (laughs) like i'm i'm excited to be learning more from you in terms of nutrition like your brain just absolutely blows me away um so yeah if you guys are interested in learning more about female specific nutrition like you might have done a nutrition nutrition course before this is different this is not so this. different. This uh, is not a nutrition course. <laughs> we should have named it. Not, not a another nutrition, nutrition no, course. Because I have yeah. Um, but yeah, next time. Um, yeah, and if you guys have any topics, I guess you're wanting questions on the course, and like, let us know. Um, I think there's pretty much a course description on both of our Instagram profiles now. Um, but yeah, I can't wait, and I think even connecting with people who want to make a change and who are passionate about it is going to be really fulfilling. Yeah. So if you have any questions, guys, head over to at Coach Needham Fit at AWPT underscore university or at Kayla Lee Physio and let us know if there are any podcast topics that you would like us to touch on for next time.